Welcome to the Christ Church of Orinoco Impact Ministry Podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Tricia. She's a member of Church Village Church of Christ on the island of Barbados. Through this interview, you'll hear her testimony about how God has been using her ever since childhood to build a legacy of faith within her community. We hope you enjoy this interview. Tricia, I would love to ask you questions about your life from the first day until now. So, Tricia, you're um, here on the island of Barbados. Were you born here? Yes, you I was born, born in here? Barbados. Born in Barbados. What was your early life like? Lots of playing. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. So, of course, we wrestled a lot, <laughs> ran around the neighborhood. Um, we, we walked to school and walk back home from school every day. So that was fun because you can, you know, pick the grass and plat and right. laugh with your friends and whatnot. And we would just play on the pasture until it was evening, come inside, eat, um, get your shower, do your homework and off to bed. It was the nice, simple life trick. It was a nice, simple <laughs> life. Yeah. So you enjoyed your childhood. I did. Okay. I really did. So you had your siblings. What was your, did you live in a home with a lot of people or was it just your immediate family? What was that like? It was my immediate family and okay. my immediate family was just my mother. In fact, my dad died when I was six years old. Okay. So it was just my mom, my sister, my brother, but we did not live very far from our extended family, okay. which is my grandmother. So we would actually walk to her house on evenings um, because she lived in front of the um, pasture, the village pasture. Okay. So that's where everybody came to play cricket, football, you know, whatever it is you want wrong. When you say football in America, we would say soccer. Yes, but yeah. we don't say soccer here. So you it's football. football. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you can't hold the ball in football. It's <laughs> yes. a good point. I've never heard that so, before. That's a good point. Yeah. So we would play um, there and my uncles, all of them would have lived by my grandmother at that time. So the family was very close. My great grandmother was just up the hill. Everybody was in close proximity. You could walk to any person's house. And of course, we walked to church because this is the only church that I've actually ever been at in my entire life. Church I've Village Church of Christ. Yes. I've so been you, here my whole life. You've been here from day one or two. From zero. Yeah. From zero. <laughs> you've been here. Who was yes. the first pe people in your family to start coming to Church Village Church of Christ? My great-grandmother. My great-grandmother was, she would have been one of the founding members here, wow. Miss Eversley. And my grandfather, Papa, I couldn't, I didn't even know what his name was until years later. It was just Papa. Yes. Um, but his name was Christopher Eversley. And then my grandmother, of course, she was here. Uh, my mother, my uncles, and all myself and all my children. Wow. So you have a legacy of faith that's really connected to Church Village, Church of Christ. That's correct. Wow. And so when you were a kid, you came here a lot? Yeah, we just lived literally down the hill <clears throat> from the church property. So we just walked up to church, walked back home. What was church like in those days when you were a kid? It was interesting. Um, at first, it wasn't as exciting as, as it is now, I would say. Uh, we had a lot of restrictions. Okay. We were coming out of a colonial era okay. and you had to dress this particular way, like British people, even though that really? we were in um, a tropical climate, which was kind of right. crazy stockings and heels and these things. That'd be hot. And I always found that to be insane because it was so hot, you know, right. and you were sweating, but it was like, this is how we have to dress. And... Um, we could not beat cymbals. We could not have... The only musical instrument we had at that time, I remember, was an organ. 
Okay. It was an organ. And that was it. But now we've got the keyboard, we've got the guitar, we've got the drums. A lot of that instruments. was not in existence when I was here as a as a child. Wow. So it has definitely changed. Okay. So it has <laughs> changed. And you've seen the change because you've been here since day one. Exactly. Day one of your life. Exactly. So your childhood, you loved your childhood. It was simple, yes. but it was good. It was good. We were not rich by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. You would imagine... Um, because our father died, we didn't have that extra source of income. Um, luckily for us, because of where we live, you, you could just walk outside and pick a guava off a tree, pick some Bajan cherries, get some coconut water. Wow. So it wasn't like if you didn't get to the supermarket, you would starve. You can find something to eat, you know, right. and good stuff too. Not the artificial things that children eat nowadays. So that part was good. I had no problem with that. Uh-huh. Um, but... The not having when I got into secondary school is actually where I recognized that we were poor. Which how old in secondary school? <laughs> From here. eleven years old. 11 you said the common old. entrance exam at eleven. Okay. I was actually head girl at my primary school, Ebenezer Primary, which is closed down now. Okay. And um, I passed for Combamere. Now all of my family went to the lodge school. You wouldn't know the rivalry here, but. I was the only person who went to Combamere. So you went to a different school than the rest yes. of your family. Yes, my brother went a... to Lodge, my sister went to Lodge, my father went to Lodge, all of his brothers went to Lodge. <laughs> I was the only person who went to Combamere. So that was interesting. But when I got to Combamere was when I recognized the disparity in terms of wealth. I didn't I didn't know, because when I, at my primary school, everybody was poor. So we, I just figured that was the normal way right. that people lived. Right. But when I got to Kamir, then I recognized that, oh, there, there are people living different ways to how mm-hmm. we are living. So that was an interesting experience for me. Okay. Very interesting. So that was when you're around 11 years old. You went to this yes. new school. You yeah, started I was seeing. there from 11 to 18. Okay. So let's talk about 18. So you're... 18 is, is that a, is that a, uh, transitional season for It is. You can transition like at 16 or 18. When I was 16, in fact, I remember I applied to my same school that I was at to do, um, A-levels, what we call A-levels. And I remember my mom saying to me, um, you need to apply at the community college. You need to apply different places because you don't know if you're going to get in to do it. Sure. But I was like, I prayed about it. And the spirit told me that I was to come back to Combermere to do this sociology and history and literature. When I got to the school, the lady said to me, you didn't get in. Well, I did. she told me I did get in, but they had to cut the list oh, no. because there were too many people and not enough spaces. And I remember leaving and thinking to myself, what is this? And my mother, of course, was like, I told you, you should have applied these other places. And I said, but this doesn't make sense because I, I did pray about it. And I was so sure that that's what the spirit told me to do. Right. So I was really, really confused. And I left. It was summertime and I was working. I worked every summer from the time I was 14 years old. And I went back to work. And when I got to work, the secretary treasurer called me and she said, oh, that was a mistake. You actually got in. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it because I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. Because I I had grown up in the practice of praying for things, you know, to find out what is going to be the next stage. And it was so clear to me that that's what I was supposed to do. So when they told me I got cut, I was like, how is that even possible? You know, but by the time I got back, I only drove back to work. Well, my mom dropped me. She was crawling the whole time. But when I got back to work, you know, the lady called and she said, no, that was a mistake. You actually got in. So that's how it ended up in sixth form at Common. So you went to school there. Mm -hmm. How many years were you in school there? 
Um, that's the same school. So I was there from 11 to 18. 11 to 18. Yeah. And after 18, did you go to school? Then I went to university. Where was the university? Um, the University of the West Indies in Keyfield Campus, right okay. here in Barbados. In Barbados? Yes. Okay. So I know from talking to you before we started recording that you went to Ozark Christian College. How old were you when you moved to Joplin? I was 25. I was 25 when I went 25. To, to Ozark. So tell me the story. How did you get from Barbados to Joplin, Missouri? <laughs> Honestly, I was looking for to do my master's um, after I had finished university. I did my bachelor's in okay. sociology and psychology. And I was saying, OK, I'm going to do my my master's. But I was working in business and I was really good at what I was doing. So I was trying to decide if to do the master's in psychology or if to do it in business administration, because okay. that was a big thing then. Well, still is. And of course, I prayed about it as I do about everything. And I kept ending up at the Ozark website. And I was like, where's this, what's this Ozark thing? Like, that's not even in my equation you right now. You weren't searching it. No, you, no. It just kept popping I just, up. It just kept, all the time I kept ending up Ozark, Ozark. Wow. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm not thinking about Ozark. I went to my mom, you know, I taught her about it. She was like, Ozark? No, no, no. You need to go and do, you know, a master's in business or in psychology. Right. That's your field. And I said, I know, but I don't know. This thing keeps popping up all the time. And I spoke to my uncle about it, who's the pastor here, Pastor Kenroy. Pastor Kenroy. And he said, you should go. You should totally go. And honestly, in my mind, I, I actually went. What convinced me to go was I thought to myself, if my uncle went there and he's such a fantastic person, I probably should go. I could benefit from that <laughs> as well. <laughs> so you saw how Ozark Christian College had transformed Kenroy his during his time there. Yes. And you yes. were interested in that kind of transformation as well. Yep. What was your time at Ozark like? It was great. It was great. Um, I, I am a studious person, so I didn't play wrong. I took full advantage of those classes. Did you? Yep. Good. I brought back those notes. I had everything written down. Um, I saved everything. I was, and, and I did pretty good. I mean, actually, well in my classes, like good. A's, you know. But I was very, very Kenroy interested in the words. I have no idea, but <laughs> I, I'm not really interested in the grades. It's the whole transformation that made the difference. Sure, so over, that's what course. that's what I was interested in. So I thoroughly enjoyed my time, um, the fellowship with others. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I was like the most social butterfly, but it, it spiritually, it was really good for me. What was it like being someone from Barbados moving into Missouri? The culture the, different. The weather you? was a culture shock. <laughs> the the weather. weather. I mean, you know, obviously, I went there in the summertime. I went in August, so you know, I'm accustomed to the heat. Right. Well, there was no sea breeze. That that was the first thing I was like. It's Where very is windy. The breeze? In yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of shocking for me. Um, uh, you know, that was kind of weird. But then, when the winter came, I had never experienced cold like that in my life, and I did not want to leave. Mm. my dorm i grown up in barbados i'm awakened by sunshine like yes. i i get out of my bed when i see the sun come up right so when i was at ozar and i looked outside and i saw people going to classes and i was like but it's still dark how are you going outside it's still dark yeah so i had to adjust mentally to, mm. to that the temperature you know the 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 fact that it was you know dark at different times it might seem minuscule, but honestly, that was like the hardest adjustment for me to know, sure. to, you know, <laughs> feel that difference in, um, that difference in weather. 
And culturally, I would never forget there was a Sunday. I can't remember which church it was at, but obviously it was a big, we were accustomed, we were in a small church, you know. So lots of people. And they started singing Trade in My Sorrows. And oh, I was like, this is my jam. And I got (laughs) up and I started dancing and clapping. My eyes were closed, so I had no idea what anybody else was doing. (laughs) But when I opened my eyes, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I looked around and everybody was looking at me like, what is this woman doing? Because I was totally in the Caribbean vibe, you right. know, how we danced our you're music the and that sort of you stuff. Dance, you're, you're, oh yeah, you're loud, all that. I was I was ready for it, and so I had to bring myself back down, and I was like, oh, I really miss home. I, I really miss my church. Actually, right. like you know the way that we the, worship. You grew up in church, here yeah, in Barbados. yeah, but it was it was very very different. I actually came home the first Christmas. And I came home the next summer and the next Christmas. <laughs> I was coming constantly home. coming back all the time just to remind myself this is where I'm going to be. I'm only right. there temporarily. You so know. you were there for two years at Ozark? Yes, because I had done courses before um, in the Lower Caribbean Bible College. So those credits were transferred to my bachelor's there. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So after Ozark, you're probably 26, 27, somewhere in there. I came back from Ozark two weeks before Christmas and I got married on the December the 20th. My husband is Brian Newton. You would have seen him today actually delivering. um, You know, I met him. You're right. You're right. That's my husband. So you guys got married right when you got back from Ozark. Yes. Two weeks after I returned from Ozark. Wow. Wow. And you have kids? Yes, I have Gabrielle and Aiden. Aiden. So Gabrielle is first. She's 10 years old. Um, when I was pregnant with Gabrielle, in fact, I remember going to get an ultrasound. And I remember the lady who was doing it, she said to me, oh, you're having a miscarriage. You just go home and mm. let it pass out. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. And of course, the scripture came to me. Um, if any among you is sick, call for the elders of the church right. and let them come and pray and not you with oil in the prayer of faith will heal you. So I called my uncle, um, mm-hmm. who's the pastor, and I said, bring the elders and bring the oil. We got some <laughs> work to do. And I was like, this woman is telling me I'm having a miscarriage. I'm, I'm not having this. I'm not accepting that report. And so he did come with the elders mm-hmm. and they anointed me. And I went back a month later and they did another ultrasound and then it was like, oh, hey, the baby's still there. Wow. And she came out. Yeah. I just met her. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. She's about 10 now, right? She's 10 years old now. But when she was three years old, she stopped speaking. Okay. And everybody was like, you recognize something is wrong with this child. And it was like, yeah, she's not the same as other children. So I took her to the psychologist to get an evaluation and they told me how she's autistic and she's not going to be able to do this and she's not going to be so many things she's not going to be able to do you know and I need to just accept it that that's how her life is going to be and I thought about it and I thought it of course scripture always comes to my mind with everything and I'm like whose report are you going to believe and I said you know what let me hear what God's report is about my daughter and not what the psychologist has to say Mm. So they put her on a list for speech therapy and this thing and the next thing. And um, I, it was a Wednesday actually that I went. I remember because there was prayer meeting the Wednesday night. So I came straight to the church and I yeah. put her in my uncle's hand again. And I said, get the all and you pray for this child because I do not like this report that the doctors are giving me. So you relied on prayer quite a bit. Oh, 
Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, even from when you were talking about praying in faith for things when you were a little girl yes. for the school you wanted to get into and now, you know, for your daughter. Yeah, definitely. Prayer first resort for you? First resort. Yeah. That's the first thing I do. I don't think about anything else first. That is the first thing. I mean, like when you have certain life experiences, like your dad dies when you're six years old mm. and your mom is, you know, struggling to take care of three children. As when we were growing up, we didn't even recognize it was a struggle, as I said, because we were just having fun, you right. know, and we were, we felt like everything was great. Um, it's only when we got into our teenage years that we, you know, saw that other people were living other kind of lives and we recognized, wait a minute, we're, we're not a, where we thought we yeah. were, you know. Sure. Um, but you learn to pray because that's where you get your guidance from. Wow. That's where you get your guidance from. When I first recognized I had the Holy Spirit, I know we're going back from where we were now, but I was 14 years old Uh, on the doorstep of this church. I had just come back from a Caribbean Christian youth convention in St. Vincent. And I was, I mean, it was like fire in my bones. I was like, I am so ready. I'm going to tell everybody. Right. And when I was in school, you know, people used to see me and they were like, Tracy is coming. (laughs) It's going to be a Bible verse now. You know, I was that person that always was sharing the gospel. Always was. I memorized scripture like crazy because I was always in like doing the Bible bowl competitions and that sort of stuff. So I was, I just had scripture in my it mind. In your mind. It was in my mind. So that's that. Anything that happens, that's what comes yeah. to my mind. That's you know, how it's I supposed to just be. respond with scripture. How is your daughter now? She is fantastic. And anyone you speak to, I had a parents teacher conference with her teachers just a few weeks ago. And all of them, they were like, why did you even come? Your daughter is wonderful. No problems. Doing the work well. And I'm like, this is so amazing because I was told to expect Mm. all of these limitations. She's not going to be able to do this. She's not, she's not an athlete. As you saw, she's very tall. She's very tall. But she's not an athlete. But that doesn't bother me because she is an artist. She does fantastic She was drawing or doing something with art out there. She always does art. Yeah. So she's working on Scratch, the Scratch program. And I mean, she did like an orchestra on there and I'm like, I mean, I'm blown away at things that I don't know how to do. I'm like, how did you do that? But she's very, very good with art. So, I mean, I can see the talents coming out in her, you know, and her abilities. And um, I'm I'm just so blessed by what God is doing in her life. So you have prayed for her probably every day of your life or her (laughs) life. But those moments of when the doctor told you you're having a miscarriage and then when she was three years old and the doctors are saying all kinds of things. Yes. And you see those prayers answered in her. God has given her gifts and abilities. In fact, the teacher said that she's the most talkative person in class. She's very friendly. Even when I was setting up, (laughs) she came in here and said, Hey, who are you? (laughs) So she's not, she's not afraid of a stranger. That's for sure. Um, your, your other, your son, my son, my son, Aiden, his name means little fire. And I never thought that even though I gave him that name and I knew what it was, what it meant, that is literally him. That's him. His personality. Fire. Fire. Um, you speak to anyone from the time he was three years. He's a, um, he's a linguist. Really? So when How old is he right now? He's eight years old. Eight years old. Okay. When he speaks from three years old, this boy spoke in a way that I mean, amazed people. And every, mm. the, the one question I get about him all the time, how old is this child? 
because the words that he says and the context in which he says it in his understanding is phenomenal. So I am looking forward to great things in him. I told the pastor the next time that they have children's church, um, children's Sunday, he has to let my son preach. Uh-huh, that'll be awesome. Has to let my son preach. That'll this be awesome. child is is phenomenal. I mean, is like if his sister is sick, for example, or if his grandmother is sick, it runs for the olive oil. And he says, you sit there. And he takes it up and he is anointing you and praying for praying you. Praying for him. That's beautiful. He's only Fantastic. eight years old. Eight years old. He has faith like his mom, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. And his grandmother. And his grandmother. <laughs> yes. He's part of that legacy of faith. Correct. So you were telling me that, that you was your great grandmother, the first to come. She's one mm-hmm. of the, the first members of this church. Yes. And she began building a legacy of faith and is continuing through even with your yeah. children yes, and your husband is. today. Yes, it is. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. If you were to use one word, and I know it's a hard question, if you were to use one word to describe your life from day one till now, what was what would be a word you would use to describe your life? Unpredictable. Unpredictable? How yeah. so? Like, I never know what is going to happen. And sometimes the things that I think that I should do, like what makes sense, mm-hmm. God moves me in a different direction. Right. So, for example, like my going to Ozark, you know, when I came back here, I was working in my husband's business. Right. You know, and I was saying, but is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I I thought I went to Ozark. I'm thinking when I come back, no, I do some sort of ministry or, you know, but I was in my husband's business. Mm. Little did I know that Wise would move from St. Vincent to Barbados. Right. That was about four years ago. And... All of a sudden, they needed someone to teach a gender-specific course, mm-hmm. discipleship ministry, biblical communication for women, all for women. Mm. And they were like, well, who do, can we find to teach this course? You. It was me. You. <laughs> it was me. And this, this was 12 years after I left Ozark. Wow. So you're now teaching in the Bible college here in Barbados. Yes. That's awesome. And I only started teaching in primary school last year. Mm. So you're a teacher in primary school. Yes. You teach at the Bible college yes. and you also serve as the youth minister youth here. Youth minister here at the church. At the church. I've been doing that for 13 years. So not only in your own family and in the lives of your children, but you're also building a legacy of faith and a lot of other people as well when it comes to the work that you do in schools mm-hmm. and in the youth groups, which is a beautiful yes. thing. The youth group, they are, they are the treasure. Before COVID, those children used to live at my house. I actually built my house with them in mind. In mind. I was like, you know, this is where we're going to do this and this is where we're going to do that. And I put in a swimming pool because this is where we're going to have these activities out here. I built it with them in mind. I don't need all of that. My house is way too big for me. For you. (laughs) But I'm like, these children, you know, I mean, we can do so many things together. And we were doing it. We were really doing it until COVID hit, of course. And Mm. You couldn't have these activities, so many restrictions. Um, but that's all part of life. It's part of life. Yeah. And I think when you were talking about the word unpredictable, I was thinking of the scripture that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount where he references the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And he mm. talks about how they don't reap or, or, or sow, so, mm-hmm. but uh, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed that's like correct. one of the lilies of the field. Yeah. And I think about the life that you lived, it's been a simple life, but a beautiful life mm-hmm. full of faith in the unpredictable times and full of prayer as well. Yeah. And just really seeing that God does take care of you. 
Right. He really does take care of you. Right. He does. <laughs> if you, Teresa, could um, encourage Christ Church of Orinogo with a word of encouragement, what would you say to the people who are going to be listening to this recording? I would say to have faith in God, really believe that he is who he says he is, which is I am. I mean, God comes through in phenomenal, phenomenal ways. And even that scripture that you just used, I mean, Jesus is like, don't worry. Why worry? Worry is a waste of time. Right. And I would say that to anyone. You're, it is a futile exercise to exactly. worry. Exactly. You're changing nothing. The mm-hmm. time that I, anytime I find myself consumed with a thought, which is what I think worrying is, mm-hmm. you know, about how something is going to work try to cut that off as soon as possible and just start to pray. Spend the time telling God what it is you're concerned about and just leaving it up to him to take care of it. Well, thank and he you. always does. Thank you for that word of encouragement. <laughs> That'll bless a, a lot of people at, at Christ Church. So thank you for sharing that word. And thank you for sharing your story. I think that a lot of people uh, will be blessed by hearing the timeline of your life and what God has been doing in your life and in your family. And uh, I pray that he builds legacies of faith and, and a lot of different lineages of people back at Christ Church, just like he's been doing here with your family. So thank you, Tricia, for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Drake. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Christ Church of Orinogo Impact Ministry Podcast. To learn more about Caribbean missions and the work that God is doing there to build a legacy of faith, visit our website at cco.church impact.